Sermon on the Mount, spoken by Pastor Peter, on. We're so grateful that you joined us for the very first Sunday of this new year, but uh, what an unusual end to the year of 2020, and what an unusual beginning to 2021. Uh, we still find ourselves in the midst of this pandemic, and for so many of us, for the past year or so, uh, this has literally transformed the way we do life in every area of our lives. And the majority of us are probably pretty unhappy about that reality, and it's been a real tough adjustment. And we kind of go into this new year, probably not really in familiar places in the past, because in past years, we have started the new year with really uh, a lot of hope and dreams, right? Uh, I know a lot of you have lost loved ones. In fact, we have staff members who've lost some loved ones even this, as early as this week. And, uh, and I know that it's been a really difficult season. Uh, you have family members who've been infected with this virus. And my son, earlier in December, was tested positive with COVID. And uh, it really changed the, our lives in the house. We've had to quarantine him even in our own home. And luckily, he had very minor symptoms. Nobody else tested positive, and so everything was okay. And we're grateful for that, but, uh, but it really did change things uh, as a result of it. And I know for a lot of us, we hope that 2021 will be brighter. There's a light at the end of the tunnel because there's a vaccine out. We're excited about that in hopes that there'll be some level of normalcy to this year. And so because of that, maybe you started this year with some New Year's resolutions. Did you start this year with a New Year's resolution? What is it? Would you just write in the chat room what your New Year's resolution is? I think for some of us, maybe we want to lose the quarantine weight that we've gained, maybe perhaps, and so we're going to maybe hit the gym, we're going to work hard, we're going to maybe diet a little bit, you know, take care of our bodies, because it's the temple of God. It's not just about you looking good, right? It's about you honoring your body with God in terms of how you take care of it. So maybe for some of us, we want to lose the quarantine weight, and I do hope you will achieve that this year. For some of us who is single, 2020, man, it was tough, really tough. You weren't able to date, meet people, and things like that because of this quarantine, and you're hoping you set a resolution for yourself in 2021 that maybe you'll meet some people that you can date and perhaps maybe one day marry. And I do hope and I pray that that would happen, that would be granted to you this year. For some of us, we'd set some spiritual resolutions. Maybe we decided to pray more this year. Maybe read the Bible, fast and pray. Maybe go away to a monastery, spend some time with God. Those are great, great goals to have. My spiritual resolution is uh, to grow in greater patience. And I know my kids who are watching this are probably saying amen right now. Uh, but to grow in greater patience, uh, if you ever eat with me, you know how fast I eat. That's kind of how I operate in life. I like to go fast all the time. And God revealed to me a few weeks ago, he said, if I'm ever going to get to a deeper level of intimacy with him this upcoming year, I have to grow my patience, particularly in my patience with people that I'm close with. And uh, he, started that, he started that even yesterday. God tested my patience. Now, we've set all these different types of New Year's resolution, but I bet you no one who is watching right now, you set a New Year's resolution to be poor in spirit. Have you ever thought about that for a moment? You think anyone in their right mind would set a New Year's resolution to become and grow and more be uh, poor in spirit? We're starting a new series this year uh, on the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to spend the entire year of 2021 focusing on this amazing gospel. And within that gospel, there are five major discourses or major themes that we're going to focus on. And the first one we're going to start with is the Sermon on the Mount. It comprises of three chapters, Matthews chapter 5 through 7. In total, it's 106 verses. And we are going to devote seven months 
to these 106 verses. In some weeks, we're just going to hit one verse for the week. And we're going to go deeper into this teaching that is one of the most potent teachings that Jesus teaches us in how we can follow God. And, he, and we're going to start off with the Beatitudes. There are eight Beatitudes, and these are postures. These are things that we have to do in order for us to be blessed. And the first Beatitude is found in uh, chapter, three, uh, chapter 5 of verse 3. Here's what Jesus says. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're going to spend the entire sermon devoted to that one verse. But how are we blessed by being poor in spirit? Because some of you might be offended right now. You really might be. And, how, and, how, and what does it mean really to be poor in spirit? And if Jesus says we're, people are blessed when they're poor in spirit, how do we actually grow in it? Those are some of the questions we're going to ask. So before we go there, we just bow our heads for a moment of prayer. So God, we come to you at the beginning of this year, thanking you so much for being with us. And God, I pray for our community, particularly those that have lost loved ones because of this virus and those who have loved ones who are infected and those who might be watching who are infected with this virus. God, I pray that you would just be with them during the season where, God, they are poor in spirit. I pray, God, that they would know deeper what it means to be loved by you during this season. And, God, we pray for supernatural healing for those who are infected right now. If there are some that are watching in a hospital bed, we pray in Jesus' name that you would heal them and that they would leave the hospital this week. We pray, God, that you would spare their lives but you would, not help, you would help them to understand what it means to be poor in spirit. Help us today. And so God, as we take a look at this verse, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this room, I pray that it would indeed be pleasing unto you. And it's in your name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. All right, um, the Sermon on the Mount, these three chapters, Matthew 5 through 7, are potent teachings for people who are Christians. These aren't this, these aren't teachings for people who are not Christians. Remember what happens in this passage. Jesus it took his disciples and they went to a mountain and then he teaches them the 106 verses that comprises of the Sermon on the Mount. And he starts off with these eight Beatitudes and the first one again is, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now he uses the word blessed for all eight Beatitudes. So that's the key word here. Blessed. What does that really mean when you look at that word in the Greek? It means supremely happy. Jesus says that you are supremely happy when you are poor in spirit. Now the Beatitudes are cause and effect type of Beatitudes. Meaning you cannot experience this unless you do it. Right? So Jesus is saying that you cannot be supremely happy unless you are poor in spirit. That's what he's saying here in this passage. And so really when you think about this, how in the world can Jesus say that? How can we be truly blessed? How can we be supremely happy if we are poor in spirit? What does it mean, first and foremost? What does poor in spirit mean? The, the, the phrase poor in spirit uh, has a long history in the Old Testament, particularly in the Psalms. When you read the Psalm, you'll, you'll see moments where you see David literally in this posture where there is him being poor in spirit. Basically, people who are poor in spirit are at a place where they've come to realize that they cannot save themselves, and they look to God for salvation. That is what it means to be poor in spirit. Simply what poor in spirit means, if we were to define it today, it's people who've come to the realization that they are spiritually bankrupt and that there's a poverty in their soul. 
That's what it means to be poor in spirit. Have you ever gotten to a place in your life where you felt spiritually bankrupt? Where you felt like there was a poverty to your soul and you knew that the only one who can save you is God? 2020 has probably beaten some of you up. You've lost a lot of things this year. You've lost family members, loved ones. You've lost close relationships. Some of you have lost marriages during this time, during this season. And it's been really difficult. For some of you, you feel like your whole life has been nothing but spiritual bankruptcy. One after another, terrible things keep happening to you. And here's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, don't try to lose this moment. Don't try to get out of it or ask God to come and take it away. He's saying, stay in that moment because there's an opportunity for you to be supremely happy if you stay with him and you go through this process. So I guess the big question then is, <laughs> blessed are the poor in spirit, why? Why are the poor in spirit supremely happy? And it's really the last part of this verse. He says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now that word theirs is in the present tense. So here's what Jesus is saying. The poor in spirit are supremely happy. Why? Because they get to live in heaven right now while we're here on earth. People who are poor in spirit are the only ones who can taste what heaven's going to be like today as we're living life here today. You don't have to die and experience what heaven's gonna be like. You ever meet people sometimes, you're saying, I can't wait till this life is over because I cannot wait to be with God in heaven. Jesus is saying the poor in spirit doesn't have to wait for that moment. They can experience heaven right now here on earth. That's why they are supremely happy. They are supremely, supremely happy. And so this is an important teaching here, that if you're ever in this place where you feel there's a poverty to your soul, Jesus says you are supremely happy. You can be supremely happy because you can taste heaven here on earth right now at this moment. That's why you are blessed. It's a powerful teaching. I've, you've heard me teach many times from the pulpit that our purpose in life that God has given to you and to me is to go and establish God's kingdom that we are to establish God's kingdom here on earth. That is our purpose. But here's the deal, folks. We can never really establish God's kingdom here on earth if we've never really lived in it. And that's why this first beatitude is really important because it's not necessarily what you do. It's really a posture that you take, realizing that if you can truly be poor in spirit today, that you're going to be able to live and taste what heaven is going to be like. And once you realize what it's like to be a citizen of heaven here on earth, then you can go and impact God, this world and establish God's kingdom here. Here's what Dr. Michael Wilkins says. He's a biblical scholar. He says this. He says, the kingdom of God belongs to those who know they have no resources, material or spiritual, to help themselves before God. These are the poor to whom Jesus has come to announce good news and to whom the kingdom of heaven belongs. Jesus teaches that the norm of the kingdom of heaven is spiritual bankruptcy, unlike the spiritual self-sufficiency that was characteristic of the religious leaders of his day. And so what I want to do now is just teach from this passage, how can we become poor in spirit in 2021? How can we grow in becoming more poor in spirit? Here's what we learned here. The first thing is this, we become poor in spirit when we allow God to break us. When you allow God to break you. 
Many of us has, have encountered a lot of hardships this past year, and some of us, again, you've encountered hardships throughout your entire life, and perhaps maybe you feel offended, you feel a little confused, you're not really jiving with Jesus here right now. You don't understand why, how he can say that those who are poor in spirit, those who are spiritually bankrupt, are, a, are able to be supremely happy today. It bothers you a little bit that he even says that because you feel offended by that reality, but stick with me on this. The reason why for many of us, we're wondering and we're even questioning if this is true or not is because we've never allowed God to break us when we get to a place where we feel bankrupt spiritually. Where our soul has gotten to a place where we feel bankrupt. You haven't allowed God to break you during that moment. If you ever want God to break you during this moment so that you can encounter him in a real significant and powerful way, you're going to have to be open to this. Otherwise, it's just going to be so hard for us to move forward in our lives. It's so interesting because I think when the world in which you and I live in today, uh, the definition of supremely being happy really is tied into the things that we have, maybe the things that happen to our lives and things like that. But in God's kingdom, it's really upside down. He says the supremely happy are those who are poor in spirit because they're the ones who lean upon God, those who are truly broken, and they will lean upon God. When we don't allow God to break us while we're experiencing a season where we feel poor in spirit, what typically will happen is that we will resort to addictive or sinful patterns to try to comfort us during that season. And that's why this is so key, that we have to allow God to break us. The best example I could give to you on that is really Judas, one of the disciples of Jesus. Now, when you go towards the end of, of Matthew, you find that Judas eventually betrays Jesus. And once he betrays Jesus for some money, he realizes how difficult that was for him. He, he is so broken. There is a poverty in his spirit, right? And what does he do after that? Does he let God break him? No, he doesn't. Unfortunately, what he does is that he ends up taking his own life. And that's such a dangerous, dangerous place to be. You see, if we're not going to let God break us when we're poor in spirit, what we often do is that we'll break ourselves. And that is so dangerous. I want, if anyone watching today, and you've ever, ever struggled with wanting to live, I want you to know something. That your life is not your own. You've been brought at an amazing price through the death of Jesus Christ. Let God break you so that he could begin to restore us. You see, when God breaks us, why should we let God break us? It's because it's only when God breaks us will he begin to redeem us. God can't redeem us unless he can break us first, right? There is no resurrection unless there's first a death. And so we have to allow God to break us. The, the best example of somebody who is truly broken, broken that we can see is really Jesus himself. When you get to that part, the tail end of Jesus' life in Matthew 26, verses 36 to 39, the, the best example of Jesus being broken, being poor in spirit, is really at Gethsemane, right? Let's look at that passage, Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 39. Here's the best example of how you and I can be broken today. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. 
yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus is broken. He goes to God, and he's broken. And how does Jesus allow himself to be broken? Here's the thing, because some of you are in this place where you have a poverty to your spirit today. How do you allow God to break you? You allow God to break you by inviting some people into your life, into your world, and letting them know how broken you are right now. That's what Jesus said. Jesus brings the three, Peter, James, and John, and he says, my soul is so overwhelmed right now, I want to die. Jesus, if Jesus Christ can declare that for himself, why can't we to a few people that we know love and trust us? That's how you let God break you. And then you let you grieve. Because that's what Jesus did. He grieved while he was praying. Prayer, but grieving is really important. And so could I just encourage you that this might be a season for some of you where you could even embrace a good old-fashioned ugly cry. If you find that you're living life regularly where you're always having to fight back and hold back the tears, you have to just embrace a season in your life where you can just give yourself permission to cry. I had that season, like when my father passed away, uh, for me many times, I would watch shows like Modern Family and I would have to hold back the tears. I didn't know why I was getting more emotional. You know, at the end, they always have like a little sort of a narration of what family should be. And every time I would watch that and Ed O'Neill would narrate it, I would begin to start crying. And I didn't know what was going on, but, but during that process, I was trying to fight breaking down and crying. And I'm so glad that many times when I watch that show, I'm watching it by myself. So I'm able to cry a little bit. But for a lot of us, if you find yourself holding back tears a lot because you feel like you have to be strong, I want you to know that the way you can let God break you is just cry. There's healing in your tears. There's healing in your tears. Grieve, embrace people into your life and walk in them and help them grieve with you. That level of solidarity helps us in so many ways. And when we can do that, we'll taste a little bit of what heaven is like. That's how God redeems and begins to heal us. Romans 3 Romans 5, 3 to 5, Paul says this. He says, we can rejoice. Maybe if Jesus were to hear, he'd say, we can be supremely happy too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly, love God, how dearly God loves us because he has, been, he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Paul says we can consider it pure joy when we go through hardships and trials and tribulations. Why? Because we build perseverance, character, and a hope, and we understand during the season of hardship how much God loves us. That's interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes I think we attach God's love to protecting us from bad things happening in our lives. But according to Paul, according to Jesus, that's not the case. We really cannot experience the height and depth and width of God's love for us unless we're willing to go through some hardships in our life. Because that's when we really see how strong and how great God is. Would you let God break you on this very first Sunday of New Year's so that you could be blessed by being poor in spirit? The second and last thing, we become poor in spirit when we trust fully in God. 
when we trust fully in God. People who are poor in spirit, they have this natural tendency to depend fully on God. They don't deviate from trusting in God. They know that all they have is God and God alone. One of the scariest places to be, I think, here in North America, especially as Christians, is for us to get to a place in our lives where we have nothing left to depend upon but God and God himself. A lot of Christians would never want to put themselves in that place, I believe, in this country. Because we live in such a land of plenty. But I call that the spiritual sweet spot. That when you're at a place where you have nothing left to depend upon but God, it's one of the best places to be where you will grow your faith in him. How do you know that you're living a life where you depend fully on him, where you trust in him fully? It's when you trust in him for the outcome. That's when you know you trust in God fully. See, Jesus, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The poor in spirit are those who depend fully upon God, so much so that they depend upon him even for the outcome. Isn't that what Jesus did at Gethsemane? Jesus went to God and listen, you could share what you, what you want your outcome to be to God. You of course can do that. Because Jesus says, God, if it be your will, could you just let this cup pass for me? He did share his preferred outcome. But how did he end it? But not my will be done, may your will be done. He let God and he entrusted in God for the outcome. Letting go of control over our lives and leaving outcomes to Jesus it's really a freeing experience. And what I've learned over the years as I've traveled the world and connected with people, I've learned uh, that it's often the poor in spirit, but particularly even the poor, who always, always understands this idea of trusting in God. I often don't find the rich at a place where they have that deep dependence upon God. God knows you the best. He created you. He knows what's best for your life. I know sometimes you'd like to believe that you know what's better for yourself than God. But God truly knows what's best for you. And so because of that, today, you can trust in him for any outcome in your life. Can I get an amen to that? Just type an amen. You can trust in God for the outcome. Yes, let him know what you want the outcome to be. But in the end, trust in God like Jesus and say, but not my will be done. May your will be done. Jesus is saying those are the types of people that can taste heaven here on earth. Just think about this. Could you imagine if God were to answer every single one of your prayer requests, how your life would be destroyed right now? If God answered every one of my prayer requests, I wouldn't be married to Jenny. You know who I'd be married to? Sonny Triscalo. Sonny Triscalo was this girl I fell in love with in sixth grade. Blonde hair, blue eyes. I mean, she looked amazing. I fell in love with her. And even back then, I said, God, would you please let her have the same feelings for me? And could we get married one day? I mean, God knew what was best for me. He knew that wouldn't be the right thing. And he allowed me to eventually, many years later, meet Jenny. Now, I know I could poke and fun about that, but that's the reality. We gotta trust in God for the outcome because at the end of the day, he knows what's best. We cannot try to predict the outcome or actually determine what the outcome will be. We need to let God determine the outcome. Those are people who are poor in spirit. Those are people who depend fully upon God and those are people who get to live and taste a little bit of what heaven is like here on earth. Metro, if I'm gonna be honest with you and, and don't be offended, I don't think you will be, but if my wife and I had it our way, after I graduated seminary in 2003, we would have never came back to New Jersey's Plant Metro Community Church. We love Southern California. We had the three best years of our lives out there. 
met people. We had a tribe of people that we did life with regularly. It was so great to just be by ourselves. And, you know, we got used to it. The beginning was hard, but then we got used to it. And it was just wonderful. We'd have never came back unless God told us to come back and start this church. And I think about where I would have been if I decided just to stay because I like California. Because it never rained and it's sunny all the time. And I decided not to come back here. I would have never experienced the things that I've been able to experience for the past 17 years. Yes, they've been ups, there's been downs, there's been challenges. But my goodness, the things that I've been able to see God do. Getting a front row seat of that because I've allowed God to sort of control the outcome. Now, people who truly depend upon God, one of the things they do so well is that they really try to live their life with the strictest of obedience. Now, we can never be fully obedient. And I wish I could too. And I get sort of angry at myself many times because I try to be obedient to God all the time, but I just don't. And I fail many times. But I try to get back up. But those who truly know what it's like to trust in God and depend upon him fully, these are people who often know what it's like and they know the joys of life because they live in obedience to him. And so I want to encourage you in this new year, because I don't necessarily have to sit here and tell you what you need to be obedient to today. You all know what you need to be obedient to today. And the challenge is, will you be obedient to God? Because it's really those who live in obedience who ends up experiencing how good life can become. And what they do is they end up trusting in God a lot more. The more you obey God, the more you trust in him because you realize how much better your life is when you obey him than when you don't. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Go and obey him and depend upon him. I know there are a lot of unknowns in our lives. I know for some of you today, the thought of you giving control of an outcome is really difficult for you. I know it's hard and it's not easy. It may be difficult for some of you to obey God, and I know that's not easy all the time, especially because sometimes disobedience can be, offer some level of pleasure in our life. But I do hope that today, on the very first Sunday of this year, that you would truly desire to want to be poor in spirit by letting God break you and by trusting in him fully, by trusting in him for an outcome. I think the greatest loss many of us has sustained during this pandemic is really the loss of self. Some of you have really lost yourselves during this pandemic. And you don't even recognize who you are anymore when you look at yourself in the mirror. Will you let God break you? Will you trust in him fully by trusting in him for an outcome? That's my hope and my prayer for you. Experiencing heaven here on earth, how amazing would that be for 2021? It doesn't happen unless you're willing to be poor in spirit. One of the places that I love to visit regularly um, because I feel like I meet a whole community of people who are living this is South Africa. South Africa is like my second home. I love going there. And I'm so sad because this year, back in 2020, we were supposed to go out there and uh, we weren't able to do so. When I go there and I meet my fellow brothers, Zulu brothers and sisters, I meet a whole tribe of people who really uh, are living a life where they're poor in spirit, but yet they're supremely happy. They live in mud huts. They have nothing. And yet I see the joy that they're living. They're living literally in heaven, and it just inspires my faith in a major way. Well, the person who leads Zamele in South Africa is Audrey Matamelo. And I've known Audrey for about 12 and a half, 13 years. When I first, Audrey's very quiet, she's introvert, so I didn't necessarily connect with her right away. 
but Audrey is truly uh, a woman of God. And I actually gave her a call yesterday asking her permission if I could share her, her story with you, and she gave me, of course, the green light. But uh, I had an opportunity just to kind of learn more about her life. Audrey lived a very tragic life. She grew up in Zambia, and uh, at the age of 19, um, she's the oldest of nine in the family. Uh, she uh, lost her father from HIV. He passed away at 19, he, and before that, he was sick for many years. And um, he was a pastor. They had a church. They belonged to a church. And the mother was sick even when the father passed away at 19, and so she eventually passed away when Audrey was 25. And when Audrey was 19 years old, she had to make the decision to now take care of her family. She said there was no orphanage that was willing to take nine kids. And she said her family didn't want her and didn't want the family because they all thought they were infected as well. And then I said, well, what about the church? Did the church at least help you? They said, no, they were shunned. He said the gossip in the church, people were gossiping that her father was cheating on her mother. And that's why he contracted the virus. And he gave it to the whole family. And so she said, we had nobody. It was just me and I had to work. And she said that she got a job at a bank. And so she worked at the bank providing for her eight brothers and sisters. And uh, she said that, you know, back in those days, a lot of the women at her age, if they, had, if they became heads of household, they would look for a man, you know, she called him a sugar daddy, and uh, to help them financially. But she said she couldn't do that because her father discipled her so well, and she didn't want to compromise her integrity. So she worked so hard. And I said to her, I said, Audrey, Audrey, so like during that time, how did you still remain faithful? Did you ever get to a point where you got angry at God and you questioned if he loved you? Or maybe have you were you ever tempted to maybe renounce your faith in him? And she said to me, she said, oh, that's an interesting question that you're asking me. But she said, Peter, I, uh, all I had was God. That was my only hope. So this idea of even thinking about leaving my faith, I would never think that because all I had was God. I had no money. We had nothing, nobody. We had no family. She said, my only hope was God. He's the only one I could hold on to. I said, well, that's great. A couple years ago, um, Audrey got some phone calls at her office, and uh, somebody was threatening her life and her family's life, and she just thought it was a prank call for a while. It happened semi-regularly. She just thought, ah, they don't mean anything. And then finally, um, she got home one day. She traveled to Zambia, to her home country, to see her family. She got home, and she got into her car to go to work, and she said the brake wasn't working really well. She just noticed it right away as she left her driveway. And so she took it to her mechanic, the Toyota dealer, and they looked at her brakes. And the, and the mechanic said to her, she said, somebody is trying to hurt you. And she said, why? She said, somebody cut your brakes, but they didn't cut it fully because they were hoping that you would go down a hill. And when you go down the hill and you press the brakes hard, the brake will snap and you would be hurt physically. And that really scared her because she realized that this was not just a, a prank threat but this was a real threat, that somebody actually came to her home and tried to hurt her and her family. She was really scared. And I remember just walking with her through that moment because it was really a difficult season in her life. And I said to her yesterday, I said, Audrey, did you think about quitting Zimele? Did you think about perhaps maybe just walking away? Because this is not just about you anymore. It's about your children. It's about your husband. Like, did you ever think about maybe quitting? Because you could still do God's work in other places. And she said, no. She said, so interesting, Peter, like, you know, uh, you say these things like 
do you think about leaving your faith or do you think about quitting? But for me, like she said, my anchor, these are exact words. She says, my only anchor in my life of hope and faith is found in God. So when I go through hardships, I lean harder on God. This idea of walking away from my faith or quitting or whatever, she said, my life is not in my hands, it's in the hands of God. And then I finally got it. I finally got it. I understood what Jesus now means when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, I realize that people who are truly poor in spirit, they know without a shadow of a doubt that with God, they cannot survive. And so they never entertain this idea that God is not a God of love, that God is not going to be there for them. They never lose hope in God because God is the only hope that they have. And it's, if you've ever struggled with your life or maybe if God loves you, if you've ever struggled with your life or maybe even walking away from your faith because you feel like this is just too difficult for you, that life with Jesus is too difficult, you think about maybe turning away from your faith in God, perhaps then maybe you've never understood what it's like to be poor in spirit. Perhaps maybe you've never let God break you and you've never trusted him enough where you can surrender an outcome to him. Retro, my hope and prayer is that for 2021 is that we would all get to a place in our lives that we would want to grow in being poor in spirit so that we can be broken by our God, restored by him, and trust in him for any outcome he desires to bless us with in this upcoming year. Jesus says when you do that, you and I, we together as a church, are supremely happy. May you be supremely happy in 2021. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. God, I I pray for our tribe here at Metro Community Church. I pray for those, God, who are struggling in their lives right now, where they know that there is this spiritual bankruptcy that they're encountering right now in their lives. I pray, God, that you would minister to them, that they would be open to being broken, but they would, by inviting some friends into this difficult journey, that they don't have to believe that they can do this on their own. I pray against the spirit of self-sufficiency. I pray against the spirit of pride. And I pray for a spirit of vulnerability and transparency. And I pray for those Christians, God, who often are always holding back the tears in every area of life. They're trying to be strong. I pray, God, that they no longer would be strong. They would learn to be strong in you. And would you help them to just cry so they can experience your healing presence through their tears. God, help us to trust in you for the outcome. May we live our life in obedience to you, knowing, God, that you know what's best for us. And God, I pray that we would be like Audrey, that we would never get to a place in our faith journey where we contemplate whether we should believe in you or not or walk away from you. But God, that we would move forward always, knowing God that we are anchored in you and where we find our hope is always in you and nothing else. So God, I'm praying for our church and our community this year that the only thing we have left to depend upon in our lives that we would believe with our hearts is you. Whatever it takes to get us there, God, I pray that you would get us there in 2021 so that we can be supremely happy by living in your kingdom while we're still alive here on earth. It is in your name that we pray. 
Amen. Amen. How did God speak to you? There's a communication card. Can you just flip over that communication card right now? There are a couple next steps that I'd love for you to take. The first, I'm committing my life to Jesus for the very first time. If you've never done that, please check that off and we'll get back to you as soon as possible and, uh, and connect with you. We want to journey with you in this, all right? Second, I am going to receive prayer through Metro's virtual prayer rooms. Now, don't go there just yet. But on the very first Sunday of every year, what we like to do is we like to pray a blessing upon you, upon your family if they're there. And usually when we do that, we get almost the entire church to come up. So we have all of our pastors on standby today. And they're there to pray for you and your family. Just a blessing upon you and your family. All right? That's really it. I hope that you would sign up for that. eMetro.org slash pray. Don't go there yet because we're going to do communion. So don't go there yet. All right? Third, please send me more information about the virtual soul care conference from January 14th to the 16th. Just talked to Rob this morning and he told me that currently there are 45 people signed up from Metro Community Church to the soul care conference. I think that's fantastic, but I believe there are a lot more in our church and our community that really need this. So please register for the conference. You can get on it on our website, on our app. It's all there. Register. It'll be the best investment you make this year. What a way to start off 2021 through the Soul Care Conference. God will truly teach you how you can be poor in spirit, how God can break you, where you can experience healing in those wounds, and where you can grow in greater faith in Him. This conference will help you to do all of that. So make sure you sign up for that today. And the very last thing, I will give generously to the Christmas offering. We continue to take up the Christmas offering until the end of January, and I do hope that you will be generous in supporting us so we can get there, because all this money goes to organizations that are not affiliated with us. They're really organizations that advance God's kingdom. All the money doesn't go to Metro. It goes all to these amazing organizations, which Zamele is one of them, which Audrey leads. And so please, please, please do give to that.